Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Hey everybody, welcome to Wednesday night midweek service here at New Beginnings. Um, I'm continuing on a subject that I started about three weeks ago, and it's based on a scripture in the book of Hebrews in chapter 12, which I think is extremely important for the season that we're in right now. Um, I want to read that scripture to you, then I'm going to go a little bit further into my notes that I've gone the past couple of weeks, because I think this scripture is going to really speak to us. I don't know about you, most people that I know, and myself included, our church leadership, we are in a very distinct season right now. It's a season of growth. It's a season of expansion. It's a a season of exciting things happening, Uh, seeing more and more opportunities opening up for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, seeing more and more marriages restored, families restored, young people getting on fire for God, even children getting on fire for their relationship with Jesus. And it's a season that needs to be guarded. It's a season that needs to be protected. We have to understand that we have an assignment placed on our lives by the Lord Jesus Christ, and that assignment is going to require us us to be very protective of that season that we're in. We have an assignment that we're supposed to accomplish. It's our responsibility to do everything possible to make sure that we're walking in the plan of God for our lives in order so that his heart would be fulfilled, his heart's desires would come to pass. I don't know if you realize, God has a desire in his heart, and that desire is to see as many people as possible to avoid hell, to avoid even hell on earth, and to enjoy the kingdom of God, to enjoy the blessings of God, to be used of God, to reach out to others and lift them up and bring the blessings of the kingdom of God into their lives. And that's the assignment that's on your life as a believer. It's the assignment that's on my life also. And so we're talking about here the scriptures that are written for us in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, and it says this, Therefore we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And then in verse 2 tells us how we're going to do that, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. This goes way back to Easter just about a month ago, a uh, month, month and a half ago. We celebrated Easter, and that was a key scripture. This, this joy that was set before Jesus caused him, motivated him to go to the cross, to endure the cross, despising the shame, and he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. And that is what we want to talk about tonight more than anything. The, the goal for this scripture is that we would do everything necessary, laying aside the weights, getting rid of the sin in our lives, looking unto Jesus for this one particular goal, this one particular facet of the, of the, of the equipment that we need to accomplish God's plan. And that is to protect our endurance so that we don't become weary, so that we don't start staggering, so we don't start backtracking, so we don't start backing off, and that we don't become discouraged in our souls. And we understand this, that every assignment that God places on our life, there's going to be an enemy that's going to try to take that assignment out. There are going to be things in our lives that are going to pop up from the past that are going to try to weary us. Anything that would possibly cause us to slow down or to thwart our 
accomplishing that which God has called us to. And you and, I to, you and I need to be very, very careful and very, very aware of the things that are coming against our lives, the thoughts that come into our mind, even physically, to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves as much as we possibly can in order for us to be able to have the energy spiritually, energy of our soul, or strong emotionally, and obviously physical strength so that we can run this race and finish it. We understand, if I reviewed a little bit from the past couple of weeks, a weight can be a hurt, it can be a wound, it can be a disappointment. A weight is a heaviness that can result in hardship. It, it could be the result of a, an ungodly relationship. It could be a result of unresolved issues of life. It could be the result of, of just being in a season where you're just constantly bombarded one attack after another. You and I need to be very careful about the things that we allow to settle in our heart, the things that we ingest, the people that we're exposed to. We need to be so careful because all of those things that, that come around us, thoughts, people's opinions, people's input into our lives, they're either going to be for us or they're going to be against us. And in this season, in order to, for us to guard the endurance, guard the energy level, we're going to have to make sure that we are not getting wearied, that we are not being discouraged in our souls. And that Paul describes the cure for this is beholding, focusing on Jesus. And that's where, that's where Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 comes into play. I'll read it to you from the New Living Translation. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. You and I are going to need grace from God, not just to cover our sin, not just to cover our mistakes. Most, I, I depend on God's grace more as an empowerment than anything else, to empower me to be able to do what I need to do. And on a regular basis here, just before service, I'll be standing here in church and being in worship and having my hands raised and worshiping God and praising God. And on the inside, I'm like, Lord, I need your grace. I need your grace. I believe you for your grace. I, by faith, receive your grace, Father, that's going to give me the energy to be able to do these four services on the weekend. And then in between each service, I'm praying the same thing. Father, by faith, I receive your grace, your empowerment, your supernatural ability that's going, to, that's going to affect me in such a way that it's going to energize me and give me what I need to be able to finish my course with joy and to be able to bring the message in a clear fashion in every one of the services on Sunday. So I'm, I'm advising you and I, I'm encouraging you, please take that same position when it comes to grace. Don't just look for grace as a blanket to cover us when we boo-hoo, when we made a mistake, we sinned, whatever. Believe God for his grace to be an empowerment in your life to allow you and to energize you and to empower you to do the things that in the natural would be impossible for you to do. And I guarantee you, based on the word of God, you will see that grace come to pass in your life. We understand that through his death, burial, and resurrection, we have direct contact with the Father who gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. And we have that promise in the Word. Jesus is the Word of God. And the Word of God brings us in direct contact with that source of all strength, the power and grace of God, the divine empowerment that God enables us in order for us to accomplish what in us is impossible. Nothing in God is impossible, but sometimes we're deficient in certain areas. We, maybe we're not equipped in a specific area. Maybe we didn't have the natural education or, or training in a specific area, but the grace of God can come in and bring you to a place where it doesn't matter what you're lacking in the natural. God is able to make up the difference, and I, 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 I hope that you hold on to that and hope that you take that to heart. 
Now, when we when we taken all this into consideration, what I just read to you, now all of a sudden I start thinking about Acts chapter twenty. It has a more of a meaning to it. In Acts chapter twenty, Paul is saying goodbye to to pastors of churches that he thinks at that time this is the last time he's going to see them. You know, he's he's leaving the area of Ephesus. He's gathered all the pastors together. He's he wants to say goodbye, and they come to kind of see him off. And and we have recorded for us in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 20, in verse 32, here is what Paul says to these men and women of God before he leaves them. He says, So now, brother, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to, listen to this, which is able to build you up, to edify you, and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Some translation says to give you an inheritance among the saints. See, you, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a saint. You are a set-apart one. You are one that God considers holy. Nowhere throughout the scriptures is a believer ever referred to as a sinner once that believer has placed his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You are now in a different category. You are now a different breed of individual. And so what Paul is saying is, I commend you to God. In other words, I can't be here with you 24 hours a day. I've been here with you. He's saying to the pastors there at Ephesus, I believe he was there almost about three years uh, up to this point. And now it's time for him to depart. It's time for him to go on to the next phase of what God has for him. And, And he's saying to them, look, I've been here with you before, but now I cannot be here in person with you. So in my place, instead of me preaching the word to you, Paul is saying, I commend you now to the word of God unto God himself, and unto word, listen to how he describes it, the word of his grace, there is that divine empowerment again, which is able to do what? Edify you, to build you up. And that's what the grace of God does. Why is that important? Because if we're going to accomplish in this season what God has called us to accomplish, we're going to need endurance. How is endurance fueled? By grace. It is the grace of God that gives us the ability to endure hardship, to endure uh, weariness, to endure discouragement, to endure, and not just endure to put up with it, but to walk through it and to come up on the other side stronger than you were before. And I commend you to that word of grace, and I commend you unto God himself. And I know that he is able to build you up, and I know he's able to give you an inheritance. And that's a powerful word, inheritance. That's what's stored up for you by somebody else so that you can carry on once they're off the scene. And that's what Jesus d- did for us. He knew he was leaving this plan. He knew he was ascending back into heaven. And what did he leave us? The word of God. He left of his word, and then he encouraged us to, to, to nurture and to develop and to establish a relationship with the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. Paul has been speaking to these new pastors. And they're pastors of fairly new congregations, living in areas of great persecution. You know, the church is not like it is today. You know, all over the world and other places, the churches are experiencing tremendous persecution. Here in our country, thank God we live in a country where it's free for us to worship. Uh, You know, we can gather together without fear of of being in prison or loss of life. But that's not the way it is in other parts of of the earth. And that's not the way it was in the early church. And so we see a lot of encouragement. We see a lot of 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 inspiration from the Apostle Paul, from the Word of God, to people to encourage them to don't give up, don't, don't just cave in. God is, God is able to strengthen you. God is able to equip you. God is there for you. He's not leaving you alone. Even though it looks like things are tough, He's there for you. And so because they were living in areas of great persecution, of adversity, 
and stress. Imagine the stress of every day, not knowing if you're going to be arrested and thrown into prison. And they had plenty of reasons to become weary and discouraged in their souls because of that. And so in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, Paul says, as is recorded for us by Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy. And the ministry, what is that? The assignment, which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. New Living Translation says it this way. I really like the way it's, it's translated here. Listen to this. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Do you hold that dear to your heart? I, I, I think there's no greater calling in our lives we could, be, we could be anointed to be a specific uh, profession or career or vocation, and that's wonderful to fulfill the plan of God that way. But no matter what, where God places us, no matter where God calls us, our primary mission in life is to do exactly what Paul said. Our life should mean nothing to us. It doesn't matter how many houses we can accumulate, how many cars, how much money we have in the bank, how many vacations we could take a year, what kind of beautiful clothes we wear or jewelry. None of those things matter. What matters is that we finish this race that we've been called to. What matters is that we use our lives, placing it in the hands of Jesus, to finish the work that was assigned us by him, by our Savior, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. That's awesome. And God's given us so many more opportunities now. You know, many of you know, you're aware of the fact that uh, this coming, the end of the summer, the beginning of the fall, we'll be launching our first extension campus there in Bayville, New Jersey. We're so excited about this because it's going to give us the opportunity to reach an area that, that is just so much in need. There's so many wonderful families in there, so many young families with children, so many families down there that are just like looking for, for purpose and looking for uh, what, what is this life all about. And we're so excited that we're going to be able to minister to these families, uh, to, to, to teenagers, to youngsters, to seniors. There's so many seniors and communities in those areas there whose families may have forgotten about them or maybe, maybe they just uh, are there and, and, and there's no one caring for them or they just feel lonely. And we're just so, so excited that we're going to get to fulfill this scripture. And I know you're going to be a part of this, and we're excited about that. So many of you have now signed up and becoming part of our volunteer team and part of the launch team for Bayville. And then from Bayville, there'll be other areas. And if you were here this past weekend, you heard us announce our new outreaches into Manchester, New Jersey, which will be our, our next location of interest that we feel like the Lord's leading us to. What is it for? What is it all about? It's to fulfill this verse of scripture. We need to finish the assignment that God has placed in our lives as a church, not me individually, as a church. And that to say is our lives are worth nothing unless we use them to finish the work assigned us by the Lord Jesus Christ, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And we, like the early church, have great things to accomplish. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. You know the term masterpiece? You may not feel like that. You know that word in the original language is a custom-crafted work of art, one of a kind, one of a kind. And, you know, we wake up in the morning sometimes and we feel like, wow, it's just another day. What meaning does it have? What difference does it make if I even get out of bed? No, you are a custom-crafted, designed by God, 
workmanship, a piece of art that God wants to use and display you for all the world to say, what is that person about? What's different about them? What do they have on the inside? I know they've got something that I don't have. We need to wake up every day reminding ourselves of Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God has a plan for each and every one of us. It's evident in Scripture. And it's a plan that just didn't pop up yesterday. It's a plan that he's had in his heart since the beginning of time. And he has set things up in your life in such a way that you are positioned right now to fulfill the assignment that he's placed on your life. And I pray that you take that serious. How are we going to accomplish these good works that are assigned to us? The Scripture says in the Old Testament, not by might, not by power, but my, my, by my spirit, says the Lord. That spirit is a spirit of grace that comes when we draw strength and we draw our ability from the Father. And that strength and ability causes us to endure. No assignment that God has ever given anyone. There's never been an assignment in the history of mankind that God's ever given anyone that's been easy to accomplish. Every single assignment has been tough. Every single assignment is designed in such a way so that we would be dependent upon our Father in heaven. Not that something that we'd be able to do in our own strength. No, he puts us in a position. He, he assigns us a specific plan that we're supposed to carry out, a strategy that forces us to do two things. Number one, to depend on his grace and his ability in us. Number two, to depend on one another. God never calls an individual to do anything by themselves. Even Jesus had his disciples around him, multitudes around him, that, that had part in his ministry. And you are the same and I am the same. God never calls us in a position of isolation. He always calls us to accomplish something that's going to require us needing each other. I need you to accomplish what God's calling us to. You need me to accomplish what God's calling you to. And when we work together, we fulfill the heart of the Father. Amen. Philippians chapter 4.13 says this, because by the grace of God, we can, we can accomplish these things. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything. This is from the Amplified Bible. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me. I love the way that says it, infuses me, inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. See, it's dangerous to be self-sufficient. It is empowering to be self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. In one of the other letters, Paul said that we're supposed to acknowledge that good thing that is in us by Christ Jesus. That good thing is this, Christ in me, the hope of glory. When I depend on Christ in me, when I depend on the Holy Ghost in me, when I acknowledge my Father God in all of my ways and everything that I do and every decision I have to make, every plan that has to be formulated, every meeting that I sit down to, when I acknowledge my dependence on God the Father in heaven, automatically what kicks in is Proverbs chapter 3, then he will direct my steps. He actually starts to unfold the plan that he has put into place before the beginning of time. But that plan is only unfolded. That plan is only revealed when you and I come to the place of being totally dependent upon him. You and I are not allowed to accomplish things outside of our relationship with our Father in heaven. Those are called vain laborings. Those are called useless actions. Oh, they might, they might accomplish something, but they're not going to accomplish anything that's of any eternal value. They're not going to accomplish anything that's really going to bless people for, for the kingdom of God. 
You and I are called to bless individuals in the kingdom, through the kingdom, by the kingdom, by the power of God. I pray that you hold on to that thought. So it says here in Philippians 4.13, the Amplified, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything. Nothing, nothing is impossible to us that comes across us from the plan of God. As long as we're dependent upon him, as long as we're acknowledging him, he will direct our path. And in directing our path, he puts us on a path where there's provision, where there's grace, where there's favor, where there's, where there's resources. Whatever we need to accomplish that which he's called us to do is on that path that he's called you to. If you're finding, you're struggling, you're saying, I don't know what it is. Like, you know, we're, we're plodding along and, and just things are not happening and doors are not opening and, and, and the stuff is not there. I need to do this. You, you need to stop and back up and say, let me back up now and let me say, am I on the path that my Father in heaven has called me to? See, there's a lot of paths, a lot of things that we can get involved in, but we want to be involved and we want to be committed to that plan, that path that God has placed us on because on that path, is everything you're going to need to accomplish what he's called you to do. Paul understood this principle of keeping our eyes on Jesus, of dependence on him, of dependence on the word of God. And through the word, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I can overcome every frustration. We can overcome and get rid of the weights and the sin that seems like it just ensnares us, like it just clings to us. Have, have you ever walked in mud? It seems like when you walk in mud, you don't intentionally pick up anything, but then you, you come through this and you see that it's all stuck to you. It's stuck to your, your pants legs. It's stuck to your shoes. Your socks get encrusted with mud. You just pick it up. It seems like sin is like that. It's like we don't intentionally, hopefully we're not intentionally getting involved, but as we're walking through the world, sometimes we pick things up and they it seems like it just clings to us. And it seems like for some people it's, it's this particular type of sin. And for other people it's that particular type of sin. And, and, you know, and it just seems like it just easily ensnares us. It clings to us. Well, by the grace of God, by the word of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can get rid of that stuff so that we can, you realize how, how heavy it is to try to walk with all that mud stuck to you. But when you get rid of the weights, when you get rid of the sin, it's like there's a lightness you carry yourself differently. You find yourself walking with confidence like you didn't have before. That's what Paul's talking about. Do everything possible to get rid of all that stuff so you can walk on the path that God has for you with confidence, with your shoulders back, with the knowledge of knowing that you are walking on this earth as a representative of the kingdom of God. You've got his plan on the inside of you. You have his spirit in you. You've got his word in you. You've got his love in you that's coming out from you and clearing the path before you so that people then are, are, are able to receive from you because they sense the love of God in your life. That's the life of God on this earth. That is living life for Jesus. Amen. Romans chapter 12 again, following this same thought. Verse 2, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. See, that's where it is. Some of us think we get born again and instantaneously we're going to become different personalities. And to some extent that is true, but it's in seed form. When you got born again, the Spirit of God came to live inside you. The, the seed of the Word came and was birthed inside you. And, and what, what came forth in that delivery process was your salvation. But now you need to walk it out. Not in your strength, in the power of the Word of God, in the power by the Spirit of God. But we walk it out. For what reason? So that we don't copy the ways of this world. 
that we become transformed. It says, let God transform you into a new person by changing, watch this, the way you think. Everything starts here. It's going to come out here. Everything starts here. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The word of his grace. The word of transformation. The word of regeneration. The thought here in, these, in the scriptures here is that process of metamorphosis. That process by which one creature comes into this process of metamorphosis and when it comes out the other side, it's a different being altogether. That caterpillar comes in and makes a cocoon of itself. And it looks like it's dead. It looks like there's no life. It looks like life is gone. It's like it's in a tomb. But then after a passage of time and this process of transformation in that little cocoon, that metamorphosis takes place. And what happens? What comes out the other side of that cocoon looks nothing like that ugly little caterpillar that went in in the beginning. And that's a process of transformation. And God is saying to us, the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, in the scripture is saying, it's by the word of God coming into our mind, coming into our soul, becoming our belief system, the word, causes that transformation experience to take place. And so we understand that the word of his grace is so important because it's not going to happen any other way. Even when you see the Word of God, even when you read the Word of God, even when you begin to declare the Word of God, understand that you are releasing the grace of God in your life. You don't change just because you decided one day to memorize the Scripture. You change because the grace of God that was on that Scripture, that was deposited in that powerful Word of God, came into your soul and began to now change the way you're thinking. And when you change the way you're thinking, you change your perspective. And so you literally change the course of your life because you don't see that particular subject of life the same as you saw it before. That is the process of regeneration. It's important for us to remember the word of his grace because the word of his grace tells us this. Number one, I'm forgiven. When everything else in the world tells us, God hasn't forgiven you. You're still sinning. You're still doing the same things. You're still saying the same things. And that's stuff that can weigh on you. That can weigh on you. And so thank God for the word of his grace, because the word of his grace has told us we're forgiven. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says this, He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. And so because of that, now Romans chapter 8 verse 1 kicks in. So now therefore, again, this is the grace of God telling us, So now therefore there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The word of his grace tells me, I should no longer have to suffer from guilt. Guilt has no place in my life. Why? Because my sins have been forgiven. Number two, the word of his grace tells me and reminds me that I've been redeemed from everything that's contrary to God's will. We live in a world where almost everything in this world system is contrary to the will of God. People's mindsets, people, people's lifestyles, things that even we still entertain are contrary to the will of God. But we've been redeemed from that. We've been redeemed from this curse. We've been redeemed. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 says, But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse of our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scripture, cursed is everyone who was hung on the tree. Jesus became cursed for us. Jesus became sin 
so that you and I could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That is good news. That is wonderful news. That is freeing news. And that is a result of the word of his grace. I am redeemed from the curse of sin, sickness, and poverty. And the word of his grace reminds me of that. The word says, I am righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I quoted that scripture just a moment ago. For God made Christ, this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. It's that divine exchange process. You and I need to be reminded of that constantly. Why? So that we don't become weary, so that we don't become discouraged in our souls, and so that that, that does not wipe out our ability to endure. Again, coming back to the main topic of this teaching, we're advised by the Word of God, we're admonished, we're encouraged to get rid of the weights, to get rid of the sin, so that we're not weary, so that we're discouraged. We're never discouraged. Why? So that we can run with endurance. We're going to finish our course with endurance. We're going to accomplish what God has assigned our lives to our lives by enduring. And so these things here protect that endurance. Number four. The word of his grace tells me that I am free to be the real me. Man, there is nothing worse than living life like a phony. There is nothing worse than going through life, and we as Christians are just as guilty, sometimes even more, of wearing masks, of trying to protect our image, of trying to protect our reputations, trying to be somebody that we think everybody else wants us to be. The, gra- the word of God, the grace of God, frees us from that bondage, frees us from that junk. Colossians chapter 2, verse 10 says, So you are also complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. What is it saying here? Because of what the Word says, I'm free to be me in Him. Free from control. Free from a performance mentality. Free from codependence. Free from other people's expectations that are ungodly. Free from people's criticism. Free from people's hatred. Free from people's whatever their problem is. To be who you have been made in Christ. That, that, that is probably the best definition of the weights that we need to just lay them aside. Lay them aside, lay them aside, lay them aside, lay them aside. Why? Because they will weary you. And they will cut down on your ability to endure. My wholeness comes from God, not from people. Get that in your heart. So then cultivate relationship with God and then people. Relationship with God first and then people. See, because if our relationship with God is not healthy, if it's not been a nurturing relationship, if it's not a relationship that we are, we are constantly giving ourselves over to so we can know him more. Imagine Apostle Paul said, I want to know him. I want to know him. I put everything else aside. I count everything else as garbage. I want to know him. That is the heart of an individual that's going to receive the grace to endure. I want to know him. In other words, I want this relationship to be solid because when this relationship is solid, then all these other relationships are going to be healthy. See, what we do as human beings under pressure, we want to develop all these other relationships when our relationship with the Father is lacking. When your relationship with the Father is lacking, you're not doing these relationships any favor. Why? Because we're better off paying attention and becoming equipped and becoming empowered and being saturated with His grace and saturated with His love. Then when you develop human relationships, those horizontal relationships, then all of a sudden now, 
you're going to be a blessing to people. You're not going to be one of those people when, you, when they see you coming, they go, oh, God, here he comes. You're going to be a blessing to people. You're going to see people want to, be, want to be your friends, want to be in relationship with you. Why? Because they know they are receiving the life-giving grace of God from that relationship with you. But you first have to be free to be who he has made you to be apart from people's opinions and people's whatever pull they put on you expectations that they put on you to be a specific way so that it blesses them. Thank God for the word of his grace. My wholeness, your wholeness comes from God, not from people. Please remember that because you see, it's, it's unhealthy relationships that drain us. It's unhealthy relationships that cause us to become weary. It's unhealthy relationships that cause us to get the attitude that we just don't even want to, we don't want to be around people. We just don't want to be around people. It's just too much trouble, too much aggravation. That's not a godly attitude. It's a very ungodly attitude. It's a very selfish attitude. And it's usually the result of ungodly relationships. So understand and realize, if you're going to endure, if you're going to finish, if you're going to accomplish what God's called you to, if you're going to have a life that's contented and fulfilled, you're going to have to receive your wholeness from God, your Father in heaven, not from other people. Finally then, the Word of God says, that I am created for greatness. And I don't want to be all cliche and, you know, all sound like this, you know, pampered message here of how great I am. You know and I know that we are nothing without Christ. But the Word does tell us that we have the greater one living on the inside of us. The greater is he that lives in me than he who lives in the world. And we have received power by the Holy Spirit to go and accomplish these things in Jesus' name. You and I have been created for greatness Romans chapter 5, verse 17 says, I have received the gift of righteousness and reign as a king in this life by Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ, our Messiah, our God, our Savior, our Deliverer, living in us causes us to reign in life. What does that mean? That I'm going I'm to be over you and you're going to be subservient to me? No, no, no. What is it saying is this, that I now have the endurance, the strength, the empowerment, the ability, the grace of God is on me that I do not have to bow down to the circumstances of life. In fact, I rule and reign as a king in this life. And when a king speaks, things happen. Remember that. Jesus Christ has set you up to be a king in this life because of the gift of righteousness that he has placed on you. Actually, he has placed you in righteousness, in that position of righteousness. And that position of righteousness enables you to rule over the circumstances of life. Remember this. I've taught this plenty of times. God has given us the spiritual force of faith to overcome all adversity that has come into this life as a result of sin. Anything that has come into this life contrary to the will of God you have been empowered to overcome. You have been empowered to rule over. You have been empowered to reign over. That is your inheritance that Paul spoke about in Acts chapter 20. The ability to rule and reign in life. Jesus ruled and reigned in life. Storm comes up. No, I'm ruling and reigning over you. Waves be still. Wind be still. Storm calms. Jesus was faced with the opportunity to be able to feed over 15,000 people. They have no food. There's only a few loaves of bread and some fish. But because he ruled and reigned in life, he had the grace, the anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit to speak over those elements and they were multiplied. Why? He ruled and reigned in life. You and I have the ability by the power of God and the position of righteousness that he has placed us in. When you understand and realize and grasp the reality that you have been created by God to accomplish great things, then you walk in that ability to rule and reign. Circumstances don't determine your life. You determine 
what's going to be the outcome. I want you to take this to heart tonight. Because you see, every one of us watching this, listening to this, in this room, at home listening to this, in your car, on your phone, you will have adversity. Jesus promised us that. He said, in this life, there's going to be tribulation. But he said, be of good cheer, because I've overcome. I've overcome. And if he's overcome, you can overcome. But through the position of righteousness, you and I can rule and reign over toxic emotions that don't have to control us, that don't have to get us to the place to become bitter-hearted and cynical. You and I can rule and reign over, over sickness and disease that tries to come and, and determine what type of life you're going to live and what abilities you're going to be able to walk in. You and I have the ability to rule and reign over poverty, over lack, over things that are going to try to determine what kind of lifestyle you're going to live, how you're going to feed your kids, what kind of house you're going to live in, all of these things. How are you going to be enabled to bring the, the gospel to people? You and I rule and reign over circumstances. They serve us. We don't serve them because Jesus Christ died on that cross, rose again from the dead, and brought you into a renewed relationship with God our Father in heaven, and is a relationship that puts you back in the same position that Adam was in the original creation. All of creation served Adam because that was God's will. He created us in his image and in his likeness and then gave us dominion. That's a Latin word that means rulership, an empower, a position of power, And God has placed you on this earth in a position of power, not to draw down on people, but to rule and reign over circumstances and adversity, to rule and reign over an enemy of your soul that tries to come constantly to weary you and to discourage you so that you will not be able to run your race with endurance. I pray that something that I've shared with you tonight has been a blessing to you. I pray that there's a divine empowerment that comes upon you. And I pray in Jesus' name that the Holy Spirit will reveal this to you even more and more and more in these coming days. And I just thank God for you, that you're grabbing this, that you're taking hold of it, that you're guarding the season that you're in. That you're not allowing just anything to go on in your life that's going to distract you, that's going to pull you away, that's going to uh, neutralize what God wants to do on the inside of you. I, I praise God that you're standing strong, and I pray that you continue to stand strong. Finish your race with joy. Grab hold of that endurance, and let's go and accomplish everything that God's called us to. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming out tonight. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's Word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.